Recovery Talks, a podcast from Changing Lives. Welcome to the Recovery Talks podcast. My name is Ian Donnelly. This is a podcast where people get together to share their thoughts, ideas and stories of recovery and what this means to them. With us on today's Recovery Talks podcast is Peter. Peter has been in long-term recovery, got sober in his 20s and is now over 40 years sober. And I asked Peter along to talk about what it means to be in long-term recovery, what are the challenges and why stick around. Hello there. Um, I'm here today with Peter. Uh, Peter is in long-term recovery. Um, welcome. Good to see you. Um, and I am just going to, without further ado, just start. And I'm going to ask you my first question, Peter. And it's just a simple one. What was your first contact with recovery? Well, in terms of my first contact with recovery, I must say before I start is that I see my recovery based very much and rooted very much in 12-step recovery. Mm -hmm. So when I say my first contact with recovery, it was through a Mm 12-step program. And it was over 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, in a small room in Jesmond Mm -hmm. in Newcastle. And it was memorable for a couple of things. One was I was exposed in that meeting to people sharing what was happening in their insides Mm -hmm. and it was very liberating and assuring for me that the way I was behaving, Mm -hmm. thinking and feeling was shared by Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I wasn't distinct and alone, but I had a common issue Mm -hmm. which was shared by many people Mm -hmm. which included because I came to recovery as a uh, uh, from a position of not being able to manage alcohol Mm -hmm. I self-identify myself now as an alcoholic Mm -hmm. so identifying with the how people drink drunk but more importantly why people mm-hmm. drank and what was happening in their internal life. Mm-hmm. And the second thing was I found a place where I really felt welcome mm-hmm. and felt as though it was safe mm-hmm. and absolutely at the time I felt that the it was non-judgmental. Okay. Did you feel that from the off? Was that like you walked into your first meeting and I, the, all of these things were evident to you at, at that time? Or did it, did, was that a gradual process? Those were evident at the first meeting. Mm-hmm. However, you know, there's a saying in Alcoholics Anonymous mm-hmm. that uh, the disease of alcoholism keeps telling you you haven't got it. Mm-hmm. And I've got a good example of... Mm-hmm that uh, that idea because the second meeting I went to 
was in uh, another part of Newcastle, mm-hmm. the West End, a place called the Puddle Street Mission. Mm-hmm. It was on a Saturday night. If you understand, I was a 23-year-old lad. Mm-hmm. I came through Newcastle. Everybody of my age was mm-hmm. going out on the uh, on the town that night. Mm-hmm. Here was me trudging up Westgate Hill mm-hmm. to the Putter Street Mission. I uh, went down into the meeting, which was in the basement mm-hmm. of this church. And uh, the atmosphere, mm-hmm. which uh, I think is useful to describe, was one of... By and large, 15 or 20 people, mm-hmm. predominantly, if exclusively apart from maybe one or two, 15 or 20 years older than mm-hmm. I was, there was a solitary light bulb hanging from the ceiling with a big pile of smoke mm-hmm. around it. Everybody was sitting uh, drinking sweet tea. Mm-hmm. The ceiling was coming in with mm-hmm. dampness. And I sat in that meeting and I listened to everyone share. And at the end, which and I didn't, didn't connect or hear mm-hmm. what people were saying as I did the night before. And at the end of the meeting, the chairperson said, has anyone got anything to say? And I stood up and said, have I got to come to these fucking meetings for yeah. the rest of my life? Mm-hmm. I was absolutely mm-hmm. desperate, mm-hmm. yeah? And I've heard unbelievable wisdom mm-hmm. throughout my time in recovery. Mm-hmm. But I must say, you know, the piece of wisdom I heard that night mm-hmm. was so simple but profound. Mm-hmm. Somebody came up and just said, Peter, keep coming back. Mm-hmm. And that bit of advice is the best bit of advice mm-hmm. I had because had I not kept coming back, then I certainly wouldn't have had mm-hmm. the rewards mm-hmm. of recovery that I have had over the last 40 years. And, you know, that idea of do I have to come to these meetings, effing meetings, for the rest of my life, was that invitation or that suggestion, you know, you're still welcome, just keep doing this, just keep doing this. Did you have to invest in that and trust in that? Because you presume, well, not presumably, but clearly you did come back, even though, mm-hmm. you know, at that second meeting, you didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose that message of keep coming back, that welcoming message of you're safe, you know, we want you to be here, that impacted on you. Was there anything else in those early days? Because presumably that wasn't the only time that you felt resistant to or you thought, I'm, you know, I would imagine I'm too young, I'm missing out, da-da-da-da-da, I'm not even sure this is what is wrong with me or it's significant enough. What was going on, do you think, for you that made you think, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back, just even despite myself? Desperation. Okay. And I was at a point in my life at that particular time that I really had exhausted all of the possibilities mm-hmm. that I had in my mind of how to resolve the dilemma, the despair mm-hmm. that I found myself in. And, you know, I was 23 at a particular time, in that particular time, and, you know, I'd been in and out of alcoholic units, mm-hmm. you know, as inpatients and outpatients from the age of, from the age of 18, mm-hmm. and through doctors and on probation 
in whatever family trying to uh, to help us out and support me and me doing everything in my mind how to resolve it by as I've heard many times in 12-step fellowships by you're doing it geographical moving places or not drinking this type of your alcohol or not that type of alcohol or only drinking in the mornings or not drinking in the mornings or not drinking mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. yeah and I really was in a place is that had that that despair mm-hmm. held me yeah, yeah. <laughs> and pinned me in mm-hmm. that safe position mm-hmm. of uh, of, of recovery in that mm-hmm. fellowship I think if that despair hadn't have held me mm-hmm. then I might have mm-hmm. you know that question of mm-hmm. have I got to come to these places for mm-hmm. the rest of my life we've mm-hmm. uh, we've shone through and uh, I might have been on my mm-hmm. merry way again but I'd had no alternative in my mind yeah okay, that that has, no I suppose in that sense you know People talk about the gift of desperation and they also talk about hitting rock bottom. So would you subscribe to that? Those are great motivators for keeping you at something, which, you know, the, the picture you've painted, to be frank, of this meeting in the West End is not attractive. It's not somebody you, somewhere you want to go on a Saturday night. Yeah. And presumably, you know, you said to a young man of 23, these were surrounded by a lot of much older people who, like, actually have I got anything in common with them? So yeah. that kind of... Things getting bad enough and me recognising that things are bad enough is the thing that kind of weds me to a process at that point. Is that is that effectively what's happening? Yes, uh, you know, you hear this uh, often, this this gift of desperation mm-hmm. and it, it is, it was the gift of desperation which, uh, which, which kept me, kept me going mm-hmm. and I didn't have any alternative. Okay. I just didn't have any alternative. All the alternatives I'd thought had all been exhausted. Mm-hmm. And if this one hadn't worked, then I just didn't have any other option. Okay. Okay. So I suppose just to stick with the theme of keep coming back you know you are how many years in recovery did you say now over 40 years now so 40 years sober and you have absolutely kept coming back and i'm guessing over that 40 years you've said to hundreds and thousands of people keep coming back you've said that yourself now i suppose one of the things that people who are maybe not in recovery or you know maybe not that conversant with the style of recovery you're talking about they might ask the question why have you kept coming back? Because if you addressed your problem when you were 23, which you have done from a certain angle, why keep coming back after 40 odd years? Good question. And I ask uh, ask myself that periodically or have Mm -hmm. discussions about this periodically. I think firstly, how I see my recovery, and as I sometimes say to people, is that that time when I walked through the doors of recovery on that weekend, mm-hmm. yeah, I believe I won the lottery. Mm-hmm. And uh, not 
the material lottery, mm -hmm. but the spiritual, mental, psychological, emotional lottery. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I had to do was to keep returning to pick up the winnings. Mm -hmm. And that's the way mm -hmm. I've seen it ever since, mm -hmm. that uh, I keep returning in order to pick up the winnings. Mm -hmm. I said another way, in a, a different parlance is, I know that keeping recovery central to me life and what I believe now is the essence of recovery very strongly mm -hmm. is spiritual growth mm -hmm. uh, and I see myself very much as a spiritual seeker. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that the quality of my life is has been increased and will increase the more I put in to that investment of spiritual growth mm -hmm. and the lower I get that spiritual growth from other recovery sources and other things mm -hmm. central to that is the 12-step program which was my entry gate mm -hmm. into spiritual life and I uh, I cannot say in any way that the quality of my life that I've got now could have been attained in any way other than sticking close to recovery mm -hmm. and uh, and you know what I what I what I get out of recovery that that that's that's the that's the essence and I can see that the quality of my life depends upon it because mm. on the flip side of that I know what it's like not to be in contact with recovery mm -hmm. and when I say contact with recovery I mean contact through meetings mm -hmm. sponsors sponsees which are all the same really attending you know uh reading literature you know meditation doing all the activities that are say related to recovery i know that if i didn't do that not only would the quality of my life not get better mm -hmm. that the quality of my life would deteriorate mm -hmm. and i've witnessed that mm -hmm. yeah uh in small periods mm -hmm. when I've lifted my foot off mm -hmm. the accelerator. Uh, can I just sort of, to explain that, I remember being at an event a number of years ago, and it wasn't a 12-step fellowship event. Uh, it was, uh, it was, it was an organisation called Clear Minds, and they started the presentation by a quote from Einstein saying, you know, Einstein would have liked to get the answer to the question, and that is, is the universe friendly or hostile? Mm -hmm. Well, if I don't keep in contact and keep the channels of my spiritual life 
open, then the world quickly deteriorates into being hostile. Mm -hmm. And when I say hostile, I don't necessarily mean the world in general. Mm -hmm. I mean people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, I, I feel you're very much and did before coming to recovery that the that people the world was very hostile and mm -hmm. had to be managed controlled mm -hmm. manipulated and uh, 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 and and wrestled into to being benign mm -hmm. okay. the uh, in one way or another and if i don't come to recovery i can see how that mm -hmm quickly begins to unravel and I begin to uh, see myself as separate from other people and the world uh, in a hostile way. So just to kind of reflect some of that back, I suppose what I heard there was there is absolutely a reason that you have stayed in recovery and you continue to engage with recovery. And I suppose what I didn't hear was any real talk about alcohol because it doesn't sound like the issue of alcohol is, it might be the thing that brought you in through the door, but it's not the thing that you work on or address. And this, this idea of spirituality and actually my spirit and how um, the growth that I get from recovery is, is kind of marked by that. And that's been the attractive thing that's on offer. You know, you talk about winning the lottery and what have you. And then a kind of extension of that or an explanation of that or expansion of that is that this spiritual growth is, is almost kind of represented or indicated or is how I engage with the world or how I feel about the world or people. Yeah. So it's this central idea of it helps me engage with the world or view the world in a certain way that's positive, that is benign. Is that, is that, is that what you're saying? Again, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to get it straight in my head. What you're saying, is that the attractive thing that you're working on is actually how I engage with the world, how, how I am with the people around me, who I care about, how I engage with people in the street, whatever, and how I feel about humanity. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And uh, that was well summed up, mm -hmm. Ian. I, uh, I definitely, definitely see it that way. With regards to drinking, you're, I believe you're that... Drinking hasn't been a part of my life for 40 mm -hmm. years. And one day at a time, you know, drinking may never be a problem again in my life, mm -hmm. hopefully. Mm -hmm. However, living will be a problem mm -hmm. every day of my life. Mm -hmm. And it's the living mm -hmm. which I need to address, mm -hmm. not the drinking. Mm -hmm. And it's the... It's the living which the 12-step programme, the recovery, the whole package allows me to engage with in a much more qualitative way mm. than I would have hitherto been mm. able to. I think that's to maybe express and explain that in a, in a, in a, in a, in a different way. And you reminded me of this in terms of where my your recovery starts from and in uh, springs from is well firstly I, I, I still 
feel when I use the word spirituality a bit awkward because mm-hmm. I always think that I should name this because I feel the same. I think that you know, a lot of people you know, may not share mm-hmm. the concept of spirituality which mm-hmm. I'm using here. Uh, I know many people come to twelve step fellowships and when they hear spirituality they think about seances mm-hmm. or whatever or they immediately connect it to religion, yeah. which is probably the greatest connection mm-hmm. or misconnection for mm-hmm. me that people mm-hmm. make. When I talk about spirituality, I'm definitely not talking about religion. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not religious mm-hmm. and I'm not anti-religious, mm-hmm. uh, but I believe that spirituality mm-hmm. you know, exists uh, outside of religion exists mm-hmm. inside of religion mm-hmm. also but you know it hasn't got to be religious mm-hmm. i think for me i see spirituality in my understanding of spirituality in you know lots of areas including including religion it's got more to do with uh, uh, being connected mm-hmm. it's more to do with uh, with qualities of of, of acceptance, mm-hmm. of, uh, of compassion, mm-hmm. of understanding, of openness, of mm-hmm. honesty, of trying to give, mm-hmm. uh, of trying to forgive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has, it's all of those qualities which for me you know, uh, are, the, are, the, are the ingredients mm-hmm. of, of spirituality. Could I just ask then, because I'm curious, if, if I was to hear that, and just playing devil's advocate, I'm new into recovery or I'm contemplating getting into recovery, and I kind of, I've got a sense of I understand what you're talking about, I think. What has that got to do with drinking? Or what has that got to do with alcoholism or addiction? Like, because I, I think I understand how and why it works. How do you think those two are linked you know, if you if you go after the developing or cultivating those spiritual principles of patience, mm-hmm. tolerance, love, empathy, how does that interact or counteract my addiction? What's the link for you? Right. Well, firstly, the the main linkage, mm-hmm. and uh, we were talking about desperation yeah. before then. I believe that it usually comes through a deep sense of desperation. Mm-hmm. And just to qualify rock bottoms, well, mm-hmm. we were touching on before, I don't believe you're, uh, that you hit your rock bottom, that you have to lose all your money mm-hmm. or lose all your relationships or lose your job or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, for me, a rock bottom is that, is that psychological... Mm-hmm. You know, I've had enough. I've had enough, yeah. yeah that's, the, that's, the, that's the rock bottom. And what that brought us to was the ability... For the first time in my life, mm-hmm. especially with regards to alcohol, mm-hmm. was to surrender. Mm-hmm. Because up to that point, I'd always tried to control mm-hmm. alcohol and control my relationship with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mention surrender as a spiritual quality, but mm-hmm. it's central. It's the linchpin mm-hmm. for me of moving from the life that I had into the life that I've got. Mm-hmm. And... M- I would never have come to that understanding without the support of a 12-step program Mm -hmm. that I had to surrender rather than fight, I had to surrender rather than struggle or Mm -hmm. control. 
I had to surrender. So that was the linchpin that opened up a new life. Mm -hmm. The when I'm talking about the qualities of spirituality, I believe that uh, my alcoholism, mm -hmm. yeah, was driven mm -hmm. by uh, by an overblown ego okay. if that's the right word and when i say an overblown ego ego i'm not saying uh, you know i was arrogant mm -hmm. i might have been but arrogance wasn't a, a big feature mm -hmm. of my ego when i'm talking about ego i'm talking about the 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 elements associated with selfishness mm -hmm. and those elements associated with selfishness was uh, being self-absorbed, mm -hmm. being full of fear, mm -hmm. having a high level of anxiety, which I think was one of the main drivers what drove us to mm -hmm. uh, seek escape in alcoholism anyway. The, uh, the, the feelings of shame, feelings mm -hmm. of guilt, feelings of unworthiness mm -hmm. uh, 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 of resentment mm -hmm. of, of uncontrolled resentment of massive regret of the inability to let go of the past mm -hmm. you know all of those things for me are what I would describe as a part of that self-centered core mm -hmm. of Self-protection, really. Mm -hmm. You know, it came out of self-protection because of me, as I've come mm -hmm. to understand over the years. I think I had a very traumatic experience mm -hmm. and I was traumatised when I was a very, very young child. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I, I would be very surprised if anybody who went through the experiences I mm -hmm. had who wouldn't have been very uh, absorbed into themselves mm -hmm. and fearful mm -hmm. and protective mm -hmm and uh, found life mm -hmm. difficult, if not unbearable, mm -hmm. and didn't have a roadmap out of it, I which see. I've found in the 12-step fellowship, and I've found that through those spiritual qualities, mm -hmm. which I said, that if I practice those qualities, the principles embodied in the 12-step program, they lead me away mm -hmm from mm -hmm. that self-centeredness for want of a better word mm -hmm. ego mm -hmm. yeah into a position of being more free mm -hmm. in absolute greater connection with myself mm -hmm. a greater connection therefore with other people mm -hmm. a feeling that i belong because i had a great sense of not belonging mm -hmm. before i came to a 12-step fellowship mm -hmm. And it's those, you know, it's those, the practising of those principles and qualities which I believe lead me from, you know, one position mm -hmm. to a different position. I want to return to, I believe, and I think recovery is about this, returning to the person that I can be. Mm -hmm. In that I should be. Mm -hmm. And when I'm saying that, uh, the best example I can give is that I read a lot of years ago that somebody uh, 
was it Michelangelo or one of the great artists in in sculptures was asked by a person said uh, a person said to them that you make great sculptures and his reply was that I don't make great sculptures I just move the marble aside so that the beauty shines through mm-hmm. and I think that that's what those qualities which I said before, the practising of them allows the true me to shine through. And I presume when you're saying that about yourself, you believe that about other people as well, that they have the capacity to be like that and do that themselves as well. I believe everybody has the capacity mm. for that. And when I'm saying this, I'm not talking about your because uh, this was a misconception I had in early recovery, mm-hmm. that I thought recovery was about becoming increasingly saintly, mm-hmm. yeah, and that I would become, as I worked the 12-step program, I I would uh, become increasingly more saintly and defects and sins mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call them would fall from me mm-hmm. and I would be in a position after a certain period of perfection and mm-hmm. bliss. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, disabused of that idea mm-hmm. uh, in a wonderful way, actually, yes. through step four and five uh, of the 12-step programme, because mm-hmm. one of the insights that I got in understandings, a spiritual understanding, mm-hmm. what I got through those, through those two steps in particular, mm-hmm. was, you know, I'm human. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm imperfect mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yeah, In okay. fact, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. It's exactly how I should be, mm-hmm. you know, that I should be human and imperfect. Mm-hmm. And that might seem, you know, a bit trite to mm-hmm. people who are more wholesome <laughs> to start with. But for me, mm-hmm. it was an absolute lightning strike to realise I didn't have to aim for perfection anymore. Mm-hmm. What I had to do was mm-hmm. to embrace my humanness. And I would just like to say that recovery, long-term mm-hmm. recovery for me, mm-hmm. is continuing to recognise mm-hmm. and embrace my humanness. Okay. That's what long-term recovery okay. is for okay. me. Yeah. And I, I suppose you've kind of beaten me to the punch because I was going to ask you that question. But what I'm curious about, actually, is a slightly different question. So you described you know, really uh, eloquently how you were when you came in and riddled with these doubts and obsessions and anxieties and, you know, as a consequence of trauma, as you understand it, you now understand that's how you were and also you understand how, you know, there was survival techniques including drinking which which helped you with that and, and, and then, you know, you got to a point where that didn't work or that wasn't sustainable and you've stepped into a new way of being. You've had 40 years of experience of that, I'm guessing more or less uninterrupted. I suppose what I would want to hear if I was listening to this is that, has that been successful? And, and acknowledging that it's, a, it's an ongoing process and that you know, sometimes we fail and sometimes in, you know, we accept our imperfections. Do you feel as though you've grown and actually you're more happy with yourself and you're, you're able to engage with the world better 40 years after coming in through those doors? Do you, do you feel as though there's been significant change? Uh, spiritually for you you used the word spiritual at the end mm-hmm. then I, I think that that's useful because 
to answer a slightly different question, do you think that there's been significant change? Mm-hmm. I would say over this last 40 years, there's been absolute immense change mm-hmm. on every indices of my life, mm-hmm. yeah? Whether you talk about your the material plane, mm-hmm. whether you talk about the social plane, mm-hmm. whether you talk about the physical health plane, mm-hmm. whether you talk about the emotional health plane, the relationship plane, mm-hmm. your, uh, on every indices, mm-hmm. the quality of my life is supersonic okay. in compared to what it was. And I'm not picking that up. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think that I have words to big it up enough because uh, one of the one of the one of the I haven't got any if I had to have a gripe about Mm -hmm. going to meetings Mm -hmm. is that there's I don't think there's anyone around now or them Yes, there probably is a, a handful of people in the northeast at most who remember me when I came through the mm-hmm. door 40 mm-hmm. years ago. And I have a suspicion now that people see me now and think that this is the Peter who walked through the door mm-hmm. 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Mm-hmm. And I just wish I could allow people mm. to see that person mm. who was mm. trudging up mm. the Westgate Hill mm. 40 years ago. Mm. I do. I identify with that in so much as there, used to, there, there was a woman that came to my first, or was at my first meeting rather, and I would see her maybe once every couple of years. She's passed, passed away now. And every time she saw me, she would say, you were so angry when you came in. And I used to want to tell her to F off because I didn't believe it was true, but I think what she saw was what she saw, and I was a very angry person. And I think people find it difficult to imagine me being angry, because nowadays I'm just not really that much, and it's for the same reasons I think that you've talked about, and, and you know, I would endorse the experience that you've described. And, and I think what's, what's just kind of, just to sum it up, I suppose, and bring this conversation to a close, I think what's lovely about your story and that I suppose that it's not, you know, this this doesn't necessarily have an end, but that's not a bad thing. You're not staying in recovery as a penance or for some other reason that you, you still get stuff out of it. You're still buzzing from it. You're still growing. You're still changing. It sounds as though it's still hugely enjoyable. Without a doubt, mm-hmm. I just, you know, I often think, and this is a direct result mm-hmm. of recovery, it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, a direct result of recovery is uh, for a lot of people, when they start to get to the age that I am now, mm-hmm. their life closes down, mm-hmm. maybe their aspirations mm-hmm. you know, uh, disappear, their outlook narrows. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though... I've only scratched the just surface of the world and just okay. getting started. In fact, you know, I, 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 I really believe this, that, you know, and it's, again, something what's said in recovery, I really have had the opportunity to live two lives mm-hmm. in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. The first life, I absolutely never want to repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. 
And there's still an element of that why I keep coming to recovery, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah? But I don't have to focus upon mm-hmm. that one because I know that the second part mm-hmm. is what I'm interested in, mm-hmm. is that this, the other life that, I, that I'm leading now, I never want to end. And that is the crux of the matter. I'm focused in, upon the life, what I want, mm-hmm. never to end rather than the life that I wanted to finish. Recovery Talks is a podcast by Changing Lives, hosted by Ian Donnelly, Summer Stringer and Andy Ryan, and produced by me, Bridget Hamilton. This is season two, and you can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify or Anchor FM. To find out more about the work Changing Lives does, you can visit changing-lives.org.uk.